Hey guys, thanks again for joining into SkateSpot Pod. This is episode four. We are releasing a new episode every Monday. So thank you very much for joining us again. So today we have some amazing spots to tell you about. The first, we are going to be looking at a spot that exists in Montecito in Santa Barbara, California. The second is a, we'll be taking a trip all the way over to the north of Sweden and a spot that's located just outside of a town called Umeå. So thanks for joining us and let's kick off with episode four. So the first spot we're going to talk about were called the T-Bowls. And the T-Bowls were two reservoirs that were located on a private property in Montecito, Santa Barbara, California. So these reservoirs were located on a wider property that is still referred to as the Tea Gardens. So if we look into a bit of history about the Tea Gardens, they were built in 1916 by Ellen and Henry Bothan. Now, Henry Bothan was a super wealthy property mogul in San Francisco, and to be honest, you would have to be to acquire this type of land. The size of this place is staggering. It's a 340-acre property that winds uphill to magical views of the surrounding hills below, along with sea views. So this place was originally intended to host luxurious tea parties and really no dime was spared. The property includes Roman-style arches with stunning ocean views. There is also an amphitheater and a number of Roman-inspired statues that were situated on the property, along with just huge amounts of intricate gardens. So both the Arches and Amphitheatre still exist today. And the property also included a full aqueduct system that flowed from two separate reservoirs that were located on the property. And that helped to power several rock pools and water features. Now, there were stories that when they were having these parties, that there would be water ballet being held in the amphitheatre for the guests. So, I mean, you can imagine the type of wealth that we're talking about here. So today, this neighborhood is flooded with the rich and the famous of likes of Ellen DeGeneres and also Gene Hackman owns a property next door to the Tea Gardens estate. But to put it into context, this place was listed for sale recently in January of 2022 at a staggering $78 million. So you just kind of get an understanding of the wealth that was associated with this place. So the Bothans parties, they continued around until 1923, uh, until Henry Bothans and died. So Ellen restarted the use of the tea gardens several years after Henry had passed away, and they can kind of continued until her death in 1965. So after she died, the property changed owners multiple times. Now, during the 60s, when all these sort of things were happening with this sort of upmarket tea parties for the rich and the famous, there were other people that were also enjoying the tea gardens properties as well. And they were more of the uninvited younger generation who would make this place, yeah, a place to party. And it was really kind of the surreal setting for letting your hair down and having a bit of fun. So the rock pools were great for skinny dipping. And also there was a lot of secluded space to embrace life and really just 
let your hair down and have some fun. So skipping ahead to the 1970s, and Santa Barbara's local skateboarding legend Tom Sims discovers the two reservoirs that were bone dry, and this set a course that would influence a new era in skateboarding. So once Tom and his crew actually cleaned out the bowls and tested the layout, it became a thriving hub for skateboard activity. So the two bowls that were present on the land, there was the upper bowl, and that was called the Mogul Bowl, and the lower was named the T-Bowl. So both reservoirs had the perfect landscape for skateboarding with this mixture of steep sides, an array of different kind of sections. And this really kicked off the development of vertical skateboarding in the 1970s. Now, what I love about the T-Bowls is the skill and creativity to skate these. So there was a mixture of steeper sides, there was some more mellow sections, there were different types of lumps and bumps, and the entire bowls were a real mismatch of different types of surfaces and formations. There were also parts that included almost full vertical walls with brickwork present on the top. And looking at a lot of the photos from this time, it really would have taken a great deal of skill to pull off the moves that were coming out of this place. Not to mention the fact that skateboards at the time, I mean, the technology was not what it is today. So to pull off some of those moves with the with the decks and trucks and wheels they had was just epic. So really hats off to Tom and company for really kickstarting this place and pushing skateboarding to the next level. So many of the promotional material that the Sims skate team released uh, were actually taken at the T-Bowls. It also did make a feature in the 1976 film Freewheeling starring Stacey Peralta and Tom Sims. And I can really recommend actually checking this film out and watching it from start to finish. So there is some great footage of the T-Bowls in here. And just in general, it's a really iconic skate film that... There's a level of innocence and just simplicity to it, which I think, you know, really puts it in perspective just how fucked up society is getting, to be honest. And you can find that in the link below. So there was a video that was just recently uploaded onto YouTube. So the T-Bowls also made a feature in the 1988 edition of the Insane Terrain magazine that was released by Thrasher. Now, moving into the 1980s, the spot was still used frequently. It was during this era that the bowls became kind of littered with graffiti, which did annoy some of the original skaters from the 70s era. And I kind of get that because... The bowls used to be really smooth. They used to be just, you know, this really kind of shiny concrete. And come the 80s, it, you know, got graffitied and it started to look a little bit rough and a little bit ghetto. So I kind of understand their point of view there. It was also during the 80s that a young skateboarder suffered a broken bone on the T-Bowl and his family actually decided to sue the owner of the property. So, I mean, This is just ridiculous. And as a consequence, the city of Santa Barbara was stupid enough to plant TNT throughout various sections of the bowl and blew large amounts of these things, this place to smithereens. They also dumped a bunch of soil in the bowls to further deter skaters. So this is just really shitty and not how you really want to be treating these types of places. Yet this did not really stop people from skating it. So there are stories that a number of TNT actually didn't detonate, which kept large amounts of the sections of the bowl still skatable. Now, even during the 1990s, people would still make the voyage to skate the T-Bowl. 
and I've included a link to a clip shot from 1990 in the description below. And this was featuring in an episode of Skate TV that was actually aired on Nickelodeon. And it was following Team Effigy, who were a bunch of local skaters from the Santa Barbara area. So today the bowls are totally filled with dirt, yet, I mean, the memories of this iconic skate spot still live on. There is a Facebook group who is dedicated to the T-Bowls, so that is a must to check out, and I've provided that link below as well. So the tea gardens uh, really did have their fair share of controversy, and this really carried through until the 2000s. So in November of 2008, some college kids started a bonfire on the property. They told the fire department that they had put the fire out when leaving, yet this is where sort of heavy winds picked up during the night, and it actually restarted the fire, which managed to burn 1,940 acres, and it actually destroyed 210 homes. So it's just horrible, and it was a real scene for destruction. So as mentioned earlier, the tea gardens were listed again for sale in the January of 2022 for a whopping 78 million US dollars. It seems like the listing is still for sale, yet the price has been reduced from 78 million to 58 million US dollars. So both bowls are still visible from Google Earth. The Mogul Bowl is much easier to spot, but the remains of the T-Bowl can still be seen if you kind of look a little bit more in detail. So again, this spot is really amazing. It's got so much history. There is a lot of documentation on it. Hopefully a lot of you haven't heard of the T-Bowls before, and then you can go away and do some research on your own and kind of have a look at a lot of the clips and photos of Tom Sims and crew really shredding this thing. And definitely check out the freewheeling movie featuring Stacey Peralta as well. So the second skate spot we're going to feature is located in Umeå in Sweden. Now, Umeå is a city that is basically called the capital of northern Sweden. It's surrounded by mountains, forests, endless coastlines. It really is just a haven for outdoor enthusiasts. Now, this spot, if you ever have a skateboarding bucket list, you're going to have to add this place because it is just crazy. So what we're looking at here is a 500-meter log flume that basically mimics the shape of a U-pipe, and this thing just stretches along the treetops further than your eye can see. And just to mention, I actually put together an article on issue 33 of Confusion Skateboarding magazine, so please be sure to check that out. You can buy the magazine if you want to. I have added the link in the pod description below. So basically, Ranen was built in 1959 alongside the construction of a nearby power plant. So Ranen is an abbreviation or the short term for Timberranen, which basically is translated to English as log flume. Its purpose was to obviously float timber downstream, which provided a really cheap and easy means of transportation. So these things could be found all over Sweden. And they were particularly popular in the north of the country just due to the dense forests that are there. So Ranen was originally six kilometers in length and it was built with aluminium sheeting, which was later replaced with galvanized steel. 
So the flume transported around 30,000 logs per day and up to 12 million per year. So you can understand just the sheer numbers that this thing was kind of pumping through back in the day. It was in operation until 1980, yet unfortunately in 1984, large amounts of the flume were actually sold for scrap. It would be even more insane if this thing still was six kilometers in length, but luckily today a 500 meters of this has been preserved. And the structure is exactly that of a U-pipe, like the speed and the flow that are created in combination with its just sheer length and the way it kind of hovers above the treetop, it is just out of this world. So when I was putting together my article for Confusion Skateboarding Magazine, I did catch up with some first generation street skaters from Umia. And it was discovered in around 92, and this is when people started to really get there and skate. Not a huge amount of people, but just some, some local Umeo skaters. And originally was skated more like a half pipe, uh, which is quite difficult, to be honest, because when you check out some of the photos of this place, it may not look that difficult to skate, but it does have really limited flat space on the bottom, so it can be a real, real challenge. There's also this six-foot drop-off on either side towards the forest floor, and the lip of this thing is super sharp, so it does make this a real beast to skate. So these two first-generation street skaters, I really thank for what they provided and information and tracking down the history of this place. So Jonas Lindahl and Jonas Lazian, thanks so much for pulling together all the information that you did, guys. Really much appreciated. These days, many guys just kind of carve down the flume, picking up as much speed as possible, and it is really not hard to get some serious height if you want to hit that lip and, you know, you're game enough to pull out some more advanced tricks. So it is just crazy. So during the mid-2000s, skaters started to adopt more of a trick-orientated approach to run. And so as I mentioned, in the early days, it was just skated more like a half pipe, but it was getting more popular. It was in social media more, and I think it was becoming a bit of a destination for skaters, and they were kind of pushing the limits of what they could do there. So Ranen was actually featured on the cover of a Swedish skateboarding magazine, Gift Ulm, which also followed in a feature in Gift Ulm's uh, Heia Sveriator, which was pushed out during 2016. Those links are in the description as well. And more recently, its popularity has gained international attention. So, so in 2016, it was skated by Wes Kramer. His footage was captured by uh, Swedish filmmaker Jonathan Lomar, which was released in an episode of The Sour Files, Compliments of Trans World Skateboarding. They're also in the links below. Yet, Ranen, its appearance in media really goes way back, and it was documented in a number of early Swedish skate films as early as 1999, and we've also put those in there as well. So, you know, just to see what it was like back in the day, and I always love some good, old, iconic skate films. So during recent years, Ranen has really got a couple of local ambassadors, so it's been pushed out on social media a lot, and it's really just highlighting how unique this place is. There is a guy called Palin, and his YouTube channel is Underflipped, which is in the link below, and it features a lot of amazing content that showcases just how cool this setup is. He does some drone shots of this, and he's also provided a lot of photos for the article that I ran in Confusion Skateboarding Magazine, so definitely go and check his YouTube channel out as well. So despite gaining a lot more international attention, 
Really what was apparent when I was researching this place is just that Ranan's roots really lie with the local skateboarding community up in Umeå. And I just couldn't get over the friendly nature of everybody that I approached when I was doing this article. They were super chill. I just heard so many stories of them taking visitors under their wing and showing them this spot and giving them the rundown before they skated it. So if anybody's out there and they want to go to Umeå, definitely hit up Palin because he's super hospitable and will really show you a good time. So really hats off to the skaters in Umeå for helping me out with this one and helping me get a lot of images and information together. If you're also wanting to check out a little bit more about Ranan, you can also head over to their Instagram account at Ranan Skate. I've put that in the description below as well. So that was it for episode four. I hope you enjoyed the two spots that we have featured, the T-Bowls in Santa Barbara, California, and Ranan in Umeå, Sweden. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you keep up to date with all the latest episodes that we're releasing every Monday. And we thank you so much for joining us again, guys. Have a lovely evening. Have a lovely morning, wherever you're at. We love you. Peace. Cheers. Cheers.